welcome back to the Tune Life Team podcast. Uh, we are back with part two of a two-part episode. Um, so if you didn't listen to part one, then uh, it's the episode before this. So go back and check that out first. But we are doing a deep dive into the album, the album which we've been recording and producing for the past, uh, well, over 12 months now. And it is finally ready for release uh, into the world. It's a matter of, well, days away now, really, uh, hopefully, until we uh, when release the final version of the album we've been working on. Um, so as part of the release, we're doing this uh, deep dive album reveal where we're looking at each track one at a time uh, and going into some of the production elements, uh, you know, how the songs were started, how they progressed, uh, how they ended up in the final stage that they will appear on the album in. So we finished the first seven tracks in part one so we are on to track eight now i believe and this song uh finally got a, a name um very late in the process probably one of the last ones to get a final name but it is called as the light fades it is indeed uh list, long time listeners may know it as five four five four five four <laughs> uh, because we did an episode exploring uh, an early version of this track a little while back yeah and um as that name uh implies it started in five four timing it did it did was that another conscious decision by you to uh, <laughs> to write a song in a more unusual timing yeah i was in one of those um creative uh, difficult creative periods where nothing was really happening and i was starting songs that weren't really going anywhere so i decided to throw myself into a bit of a uncomfort zone out of my comfort zone <laughs> that's, that's how i should say it. um and uh try writing a song in a different timing and it was interesting because i had this chord progression i think i'd played it to you before um where it was just a really simple uh progression of four or five chords i think it's just four chords um and it in four four timing it was just a bit boring and nothing was really working with it but as soon as i put it into five four timing it seemed to click, which was good. It's always good to when something like that happens and uh, you can finally progress an idea that you've had for a, a long time. So I laid down a loop of this, these few chords. And just started jamming over the top really and pretty quickly uh, ended up with a second guitar part, a lead guitar part over the top of those chords. speak back and forth and kind of link together quite nicely uh, as as the chords are changing these notes kind of fill the gaps so that, that left those looping and then built up some pretty um, basic drums fairly quickly and I was quite happy with the drums uh, and then the feedback from James Russell when we sent him the the track. If you haven't listened to the episode earlier, we we spoke to our friend James Russell who runs a, an audio production podcast. Um, that is Appetite for Production. That is Appetite for Production. Um, and he told uh, he had comments for us on on all the tracks. Very kindly, kind of provided some early feedback. And one of his comments was uh, this track in five four timing. Certain listeners may struggle with it if we don't have. Um, if the beat isn't in a particular way that will make it more, what's the word, 
uh, easier to follow or easier to listen accessible, to. Accessible, yeah, accessible. If we play a clip of the of the beat now. There's a particular, um, I think it might be a wood block in the end or something. Just a clicking sound. I can't remember uh, what we went for in the end. I think it plays three, three beats every bar of five basically uh, and that's just continuous and it's a sort of constant anchoring presence i guess so the drums changed a couple of times first on james's advice we we changed the rhythm um and secondly i think one of the things that was holding this song back is that when it originally had kind of acoustic drum samples we felt it sounded a little bit too different to yeah. a lot of the other songs on the album, which is kind of like inevitable when we're sort of writing in, in silos during lockdown. Mm. So basically, I spent an evening, I kept most of the, the rhythm the same, but just swapped out those acoustic instruments for some of the kitchen drum type sounds that we'd been using in other songs. Uh, and I think that did help to sort of tie it in a little bit more with the other songs we'd written. I'm jumping ahead of myself a bit here because that didn't come till quite a bit later. So we had the original beat was in there for a while and the next battle was really with the structure of the song and getting again, as we've talked about many times before, getting out of that loop mindset and forcing the next section. Uh, and this one is a bit different because it doesn't have a kind of separate chorus that most of the other songs do. The chorus is is more of a uh, a reprise, I would say. So it builds and then it returns to the to the beginning of the riff again. Exactly, it's it's a it's one of those choruses where there's a drop in energy rather than um, an increase. Yeah. Uh, but also a build in tension. Um, there are swells of synths and guitars at the end of each of these what we're calling choruses. Mm. I think it happens three times in the song and it leads to something different each time after the first chorus it's almost like a tease where it goes back into the reverse or back into the original riff if you like um but then the next two times it happens there's a sort of different kind of release musical release mm. so there's two little musical surprises in the song for like it's a takes it off in quite different directions. I think originally when I was first writing it and I was looking at the structure, I had yesterday uh, in my head, you know, not like the Beatles. Beatles. Yeah, that kind of, uh, it kind of goes into a little refrain bit and then it goes back into the way it returns to the yesterday. I don't think it's really that like it at all, but that was in my mind when I was writing that first uh, bit that just returns back to uh, to the start again. So, yeah. Um, so that, yeah, we all know if you listen to the episode where we talked about this um, the first time that we we challenged each other, didn't we, to to find an ending or to find a B section? Um, and what was the conclusion of that? Well, so we played them both, and we both came up with something quite different. Um, I came up with something in that stayed in five four time, but kind of using completely different chords and a completely different sort of mood about it. Rob kept 
a lot of the same chords but change the time signature to um, a more kind of groovy four to the floor direction and i think i think we sort of joked at the end of the episode where we revealed it oh maybe we could just use them both <laughs> um wouldn't that be funny and that's exactly what we did. Um, <laughs> so hopefully it is funny yeah yeah it's another cracking joke from a bear tax um we didn't tag them on right after each other uh the five four bit that i wrote comes in a couple of choruses in and then it goes back to one more verse uh, and then rob's four four timing section works serves as the outro mm. uh, but yeah we just so i think it's one of our uh our longest songs but um but it also it's got all these different parts all these different sections so the structure is a bit unusual so i think it maintains the interest throughout that time. yeah i'd say we're well, not necessarily our most experimental but maybe we we didn't hold back on this one really we just there were a few times where i know i i tried to half the length of the uh of the middle section that Jack had written. Uh, Jack was like, oh, I quite liked the fact that it went on for almost you know, too long. It's kind of like, and then it, you mm. really are transported into a place and and for quite a while before coming back to the the original riff. I think albums, my some of my favorite albums benefit from these longer songs that, you know, plus five minute type songs and, and stuff. And it was quite fun to just indulge a little bit i'd say um yeah it feels like a bit of a centerpiece sort of song um and it's usually against my nature to want to lengthen songs because i am more in favor of trying to keep things short um but in this on this occasion the sort of middle eight if we're calling it or middle 16 or middle 32 or however long it turned out to be um is personally one of my favorite contributions to the album so I was keen to have it um, to have it go on for a little bit longer, and I think also conceptually we we talk about this sort of thing a lot. I'm sure Rob will get onto the lyrics in a bit, but it's another of those songs where the verses are sort of grounded in the day to day grind. It feels like, and then this section is almost like taking off in flight and leaving it all behind. And I think being able to um, enjoy that flight, that reprieve a little bit longer, sort of adds to the the journey feel of the song um, mm. before you're kind of touched back down on earth. Yeah, because I was very keen with the with the verses and and so and I I, I think um, when I when I first came up with those chords, I was playing them on acoustic guitar, and uh, it sounded very warm. You obviously get when you're playing things on acoustic guitar, you get that warmth, uh, and I really wanted to capture that. And so when I re-recorded it, I think I ended up using. Um, I tried recording it with with an amp with a microphone. It just wasn't sounding warm enough, so I ended up using a plug-in, uh, no, um, digital amp uh, in in the DAW, um, and found some really nice kind of warmer sounds. And also did some EQ on it as well, and quite a lot of the sounds just to to really bring out the the warmer frequencies and and tone down some of the the harsher frequencies because that you know, it's quite a major key and and it's it, it i wanted to create that feeling along with the uh you know, with the lead guitar which is again quite uh quite major and quite quite pleasing and then that uh is why i think the section that jack wrote which is quite different to that and has a lot of uh a lot of more spacey sounding synths and the chord progression changes it, it take it takes you to to a different place
there's um, some kind of weird, interesting sounds throughout the song, but I feel like the sounds in the, the first part, I just sort of picture walking through a forest or something <laughs> when I listen to those bits and then taking to the skies and the... Um, yeah, so I, I, I picture walking walking as well <laughs> for some reason but in uh maybe it's got a, a, quite a rhythm to it but uh yeah I, more like at sunset kind of time like everything mm. warm glow kind of feeling hence hence as the light thing exactly so there was very much that that feeling to it throughout and it's reflected in the in the song title uh in the end one of the lead parts i guess uh which plays in the intro uh and occurs a few times was actually recorded on a digital synthesizer called isotope iris which is kind of an interesting uh interesting synth that i stumbled upon which to, takes random sa- samples and sounds and, and distorts them and you can add all sorts of effects to it um almost again sound sounds like it could be played on a guitar but it's not it's a synthesizer that uh, contrasts against the uh the quite clean warm sounding guitars yeah i think when i heard that for the first time i was like okay i want to work on this i want this to go on the album if possible i think it was a a time when you you weren't sure about Mm. this song but i um i was always a fan and i'm I'm glad that we we've made it work yeah i think uh so vote on the vocals side of things uh I, i came up with the melody fairly early on um just messing around one of those where i just did some uh you know mumbling lyrics <laughs> to something and actually a couple of those ended up staying you know it's weird how sometimes you just say things and then actually that you get attached to those words or they actually mm. fit quite well so i think the the very first line uh this record stuck on repeat was just just came out i don't know what maybe i was bored of listening to the loop of the the track or something you know it was it was uh what i was thinking at the time but that ended up being the foundation for the for the rest of the lyrics and uh yeah it ended up staying in the song and and the the long held note is probably i think that's one of the reasons why maybe i shied away from wanting it on the album in the end because i felt like it was it was pushing me out of my comfort zone in terms of uh melody uh that that note uh it took some took some getting took a few takes but uh yeah maybe it did prove to myself probably too late in the process that actually maybe it could have been a bit more ambitious on a couple of the other tracks in terms of trying some more stuff out um, with vocals but i'll have to save that for the next album <laughs> free yourself from me everything this is one of my favorite vocal performances i think on the album i think it sounds really really natural and you can sort of tell that it's sort of right in your range and <laughs> it's nice when that happens yeah and uh and lyrics wise too this is i think this is one of two songs that you wrote the lyrics for on the album and i think you kept saying to me towards the end it's like oh yeah if you've got any ideas to um, <laughs> to rewrite the lyrics for a song and i was kind of like yeah maybe maybe i'll get around to that you obviously had a pretty good idea of what you want it to be about you'd already got the melody you'd already got a pretty good first draft of lyrics yeah like you say some some of those ended up staying so it sort of made sense really that you you finished the job yeah the idea started from that first line the record stuck on repeat and it was just about um that feeling of are you living a boring life you know are you just doing the same stuff over again and feeling like you should be doing more and 
you know, trying to be special and trying to do something different and be different. And with that, with Jack's section, uh, with being this kind of departure from the mundane and you, you, you suddenly feel like, oh, everything's uh, a bit different and interesting. And then you come back down to to earth and, and the reality. And then uh, this this is how I ended up fitting in my section, my B section at the end of the song. You know, the protagonist in this in this short story has realized that they're back, you know, in their in the mundanity mundanity of life uh, after the interesting uh, middle part. Uh, but then they kind of uh, they realize that actually that maybe that's not so bad, and sort of make peace uh, yeah, they kind of make peace with it, and uh, yeah, that that's the the section at the end, which was tricky to to get right and i hope it's kind of been executed well enough there was this really cool smooth guitar line um that robert written that sort of faded out no i had two guitar parts playing over the end and i ended up changing them to two different vocal parts which uh which kind of mm. echo one another kind of almost like a a conversation or or an internal monologue of the of the person. Fits into the narrative of the whole album, the year to live a theme, and them kind of the, me imagining someone at this stage of the album starting to sit down and reflect and, and realize that actually you know it's not it's it's not so bad and and uh, they're coming to terms with everything it stops and starts and it buffers a lot the network gave it a shot but a test card would enhance the plot Turn around, you've got to go Ignore advice to take it slow Don't plant a seed, plant a tree Or free yourself from me Okay, so track nine is the second of three interlude tracks we've written and it's called First Orders. The job of this track was to feed into the following track, 2121, which is, again, a completely different sound. And it opens quite um, quite suddenly, I suppose. Yeah, with 5454 being that almost acoustic warmth being a big factor, you know, and particularly towards the end. And then the next track, 2121, the next main track uh, after First Orders, uh, is kind of the opposite of that. It's very much technology using a lot of technology futuristic sounds so i think the way you described it to me was the hero's journey in our in our story he'd come to peace with uh with life at the end of a previous track and thought fuck it i'm hitting the bar i'm going to a city <laughs> exactly exactly and uh, your instruction to me was i've got in mind the opening of blade runner where it's kind of this futuristic cityscape and you know as if someone's entering entering that world for the first and time it's like equally exciting and terrifying kind of at the same yeah time. it's just kind of you're on crazy, the edge strange yeah. new world bright lights and noises to help with 
achieving that again I turned to a little bit of foley um some field recordings and we'd been on a trip to America um a couple of years previous I think I'd taken a few short videos one of us was in a bar where you can hear various sounds of I think it was an electronic darts machine actually. <laughs> um that's interesting as well as you know general chatter hustle bustle again very on the nose but I recorded the sound of pouring a drink out at the end yeah. um, just to kind of add to the uh, the impression that you're in a bar <laughs> our hero is, yeah, has walked in and he's, the evening is beginning in this, this crazy place uh, as for the music itself again this was late in the process so rather than try and write a bespoke interlude from scratch we dipped back into our, our bag of aborted songs. And I found one that I'd written quite early on in the year, which I'd called Jewel Riff, which is just two little synths, you know, harmonising basically an octave apart. It never got very far at all. It was basically the length of First Orders, which is about 50 seconds long. <laughs> But it had this sort of air of anticipation to it, which was neither sort of dark nor, you know, happy and bright. It was just a little little tiny bit of mystery mm. to it. So I thought that could sort of work for what we wanted, um, wanted it to do thematically. Originally, I played it to Rob, and I think the keyboard sound was, was very different. It was a bit more organic. And Rob was like, yeah, I like it, but it sounds a bit too saloony, a bit too kind of Wild West, yeah. old-timey, not futuristic enough. Yeah, yeah, I think it was more of a time, uh, honky-tonk, honky-tonk piano yeah. style. I basically changed the, the sounds around on the synth, so it's... Um, and put a bit of bit more of delay on, I think. Um, so it's got that kind of futuristic pulse to it. I probably added, I think I added a very faint kick drum in the back, which is uh, something I did on a, a couple of the interlude tracks. So it's just kind of there mm. um, in the background, not performing a kind of key role, but it's just a little bit of a little bit of drive in the background. Yeah, just keep it like the like the record is kind of chugging along almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the shortest song on the album, so there's not too much to say about it. Um, I think at one <laughs> at one point it was it nearly sounded a bit different because by an accident of uh, of Ableton, uh, when I sent it to Rob, it I think it was playing like at half the speed mm. or something like that on yours, and uh, it did actually sound quite cool in its own way. But, um, <laughs> I think it sort of messed a bit with the timings of the other all the sound effects and things I put in. So yeah. It's, we decided to keep it as it was. And we talked about it just being the I had a long extended intro of the next track, didn't we, at one point. And then just and then we decided, you know, it's right to have it as a separate a separate track. I mean it's much of a muchness when you're listening to the album as a whole. Um mm. and you know, if people have it on random it may cause some cause some confusion. But hey, I, I think it's it's the right to have it as its own as its own track. Yeah, I suppose there are a couple of considerations there. One is if you just wanted to get straight into the next track, 2121, rather than having sort of... Yeah, you'd always have to skip that bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the second one was for mastering. We were like, we could tag it on the front, but 
it's you know it's a sort of inherently quieter track it uses completely different instruments yeah. would that be a problem the, yeah. the master has said yes <laughs> it probably would be a problem yeah. yeah so so we split them up yeah it's uh it's short and sweet but it it changes the scene uh quite nicely i think for it is it's like if it was a play it would be the scene being changed the set being rearranged yeah. as the actors are off stage or if yeah, the first the yeah once you come back from the interval or something, it's the the scene is changing. Um, maybe maybe if it was a two disc, maybe this would maybe that would start the second uh, the second disc. You'd have a slightly longer yeah, a longer first disc, but uh, yeah, that feels like a, a good break in the in the narrative uh, and sound. So yeah, that leads us on to uh, the next track, which was 2121, another track that we spoke about quite extensively fairly recently, haven't we? Oh, yes. We did a full-on breakdown of this track. So at the time, I think this was still called Where the Hell. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it had a few names. Again, is it is it a bit on the nose? Just like take, take the year, but it is now. Add 100 to it. <laughs> um, it'll be like, yeah, because this is a song that's feels futuristic it feels like it's representing a time and place yet to come yeah and yeah as we said before it's kind of it, it in the narrative of a year to live i was thinking well what would there's a potential if if this happened to me let's say when I, that um i would have this like realization moment uh, in the previous track and yeah, come to terms with everything and and that would potentially trigger me going like well fuck it i'm gonna go and do or have one last crazy night or have one last crazy week <laughs> of debauchery and god no yeah going out and uh and drinking and doing whatever uh and but the idea of kind of going to a part of town that you've not been to before or yeah go go discovering an area that maybe you'd yeah, or a subculture of of the society that you'd not uh, not dabbled in before, or something, and the idea of finding this uh, futuristic bar where everything is not quite as it seems, or something, it was uh, I thought was quite you know, the kind of thing that maybe would happen, and then you'd be like, oh, I feel like I've there's so many other things like this in the world potentially that I've missed out on, and it's uh, it's almost bittersweet because it's it's in this uh, you've been told you've not got long left, so. A lot of that fed into all the sounds and and weirdness of it. I mean, it's got a weird time signature anyway, which kind of, yeah. I wanted it to feel like it was a song almost from another planet, where you'd be there like, I've not heard, I've not heard anything quite like this before, and you know, there's weird futuristic vocal chops in there, and uh, there's. I wanted to create a technological feel with literally thrown in like the sound of a printer um it, it, it is the mm. one of my favorite bits of the entire album if not my yeah. favorite bit it of sounds the entire really good album. um i just recorded my printer doing uh, some printing and starting up and all the weird sounds that i'm sure you'll know a printer makes <laughs> uh, when it's doing its thing and uh, i recorded that and moved chopped it up moved it around uh in the door uh and made a little loop out of it 
it's quite percussive, but it still ha but it has some melodic elements to it as well. And uh, I think there's a fax machine in there as well, or something similar. Uh, and then th that's accompanied by various synthesizers and uh, and guitars and, and quite heavy guitars as well. I almost wanted to make this song a bit more in the metal, heavier rock kind of space. We kept saying we wanted it to be almost like an assault on the senses. Like it's just, like it's almost too much. Yeah. Like as it would feel exactly. if you went to somewhere, if we went to this bar, uh, it, it would it would be good fun, but almost too much. And you know, if you weren't, if you didn't have this you know, fuck it mentality, then you uh, it may be too much for you. <laughs> uh, but luckily, it's uh, kind of it's 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 a fast song. It's quick. It's 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 just bombards you with all these sounds and and and. Uh, and it's over before you know it kind of thing <laughs> yeah and lots of lots of air candy um so yeah probably the most the yeah i think this is probably one of the most tracks um in total uh, on, on any of our songs just because there's so much uh, ear candy and, and random instruments thrown in <laughs> We've addressed this song a lot before in the podcast, but um, for anyone who wasn't listening, the guitar and bass actually came from a demo from another song called Mammoth. And the lyrics to Mammoth were what became the lyrics to the song A Year to Live. So that song, <laughs> despite being completely know. picked apart by the musical vultures that we are, it was one of the most, probably one of the most important songs um, that I'd written. The guitar and bass and again the bass was originally a guitar that was tuned down um they were sort of picked directly from that song on the off chance that it might fit um i mm. think when i heard the original demo i was like you know i think i've got something that sort of is in the same key similar sort of bpm so that was that was a, a happy coincidence kept the pitched up guitars even though so they, they definitely didn't sound as sort of clean and uh as polished as they might, but we thought that was kind of scratchiness added to the, the vibe of the song. We did record, re-record some bits, but we uh, we used a lot of demos and, and all sorts of bits and bobs. And I, I found it a really fun one to produce because I've made the conscious creative decision from early on that actually it'd be beneficial to be quite brutal with it. So just chopping off loops halfway mm. through. Um, you know, I have synth arpeggiator, which, which are quite hard sometimes to produce, you know, if you're trying to fade them out and fade other things in and, and make everything flow together smoothly. And it was fun to do just literally chopping stuff off um, on the beat and making it, because again, you know, the idea that in the future everything's like, it, it's it's fucked up but it's like almost too perfect it's like everything is like exactly 4-4 everything falls exactly you know, it's, it's it's almost lost that um uh that acousticness and yeah and uh and, and older feel it's yes yeah, so i quite enjoyed doing that and that was a very conscious creative decision to just make things chop off quite harshly and just stop and start <laughs> Yeah, we played around with the intro quite a bit. I think it was quite late on that we decided to sort of filter the instruments that open the song. And it's it's such a simple trick, but we used it, well, we used sort of similar techniques um, in the end on a few songs. 
it definitely adds something that little movement of opening up the filter um, anticipation again it? it's, a, it's, it's a anticipation easy, easy it's like you're, you're physically moving towards this bar or this city Yeah, I like those little little eureka moments where it just adds something, uh, some extra bit of movement, an extra bit of interest, uh, and brings it to life and ties everything together. So, yeah, that was that was a nice little little bit at the end, which uh, really finished the song off. I think. Um, yeah, and then I guess at the uh, kind of the ending, um, I, I wanted that to mirror the start, so it's like. Yeah, almost uh, bookending the song, and uh, yeah, after you've had this roller coaster journey of sound, you you returned to to the start again. But then I added in a little um, synthesizer in the background uh, to just I think it's a profit um, synthesizer, which I very much associate with that kind of eighties. Uh, sound of like you mentioned Blade Runner before and the, that kind of sound and it just plays this kind of ominous few notes underneath be like hmm. everything's not quite um, all right or something's not quite right and I, and that just fades out and uh, yeah onto the next track yeah so despite the kind of uneasy undertones around the rest of the song let's say it's still quite a major key thing but when you added that kind of outro those simps, those sort of like Tom York-esque simps. We had a little bit of bass as well, which really took it into this more minor direction, mm. as if, you know, this this night or this week out had, <laughs> had taken a turn for a while. <laughs> and ended with a sort of laughing clown. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. which um, I think it might have been a, a sample of myself doing a fake laugh or or something. Um, yeah, there's quite a few weird uh, weird sound effects in this track, little arcade noises and and all sorts of stuff. Um, I guess the only other thing to touch on uh, before we move on to the next song is uh, lyrics. Did you have these lyrics for a while? Did they kind of when did they kind of come along? I don't think they took too long to write. Um... Now, the, the song was given a lot of audio cues, really, about mm. the sort of field we want to be in. Um, definitely has that feeling of the future or, you know, where we are now in the present of kind of information overload and yeah. screens everywhere and everything getting a bit overwhelming <laughs> and certainly exponentially increasing uh, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, from that sense, it's, it's very similar in sort of sort of someone being stuck in in this futuristic world and simultaneously enjoying and trying to keep up with everything that's on offer and that's being sort of advertised and kind of spoon-fed to them but at the same time deteriorating slightly uh, in the attempt to kind of <laughs> keep it all going and keep up with everything we really kind of had fun with the vocal effects on this one lots of distortion yeah. lots more um Robo vocals pitched up, pitched down to try and add these voices in your head or these voices from various 
screens talking at you. Yeah, it's got a whisper backing vocal, hasn't it? Which is quite <laughs> quite fun oh, to do. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think I don't, I can't remember if that goes through the whole song or or just certain parts. But yeah, in the verses. I think yeah, it's it basically we basically got I got Jack to whisper the entire song. I'm pretty sure, and then just drop that in every now and again. Uh, as this yeah, kind of so almost it's, like it's right up voices. close in in your head. Yeah. That is the the vibe of the song distilled, isn't it? It's as if everything is plugged right into your brain, mm. and you're not sure if it's inside your head or if it's just the <laughs> stimulus from the outside world. Yeah. Um, I read quite often, you know, in, in heavier rock that they'll use parallel distortion, uh, which is where you'll have the vocal track still clean or just like a standard vocal track with maybe some reverb and, and whatever effects you have on a vocal. And then there'd be a, a distorted vocal that would be blended in. So you kind of play around with how with the dry, wet amount of kind of, of distortion and just blend it into taste and that and that kind of works quite nicely if you ever listen to like a heavier rock band um quite often they'll they'll use that particularly on choruses to get that grittiness um i think like bands like foo fighters and stuff use it a fair bit um but that wasn't really enough and i think this song really needed to be just taken to the extreme so i ended up just throwing distortion out just straight on Straight on the vocal. Yeah. No no uh, parallel distortion on this one. It's literally just a distorted vocal. So for better or worse, I just decided to go for it in the end and just, yeah, fuck it. It's just going to be distorted. Yeah, I think, it, I think it needed that. It, it almost needed to be, the distortion needed to be like an instrument in itself. It's not just like an effect to add a bit of colour. Yeah. It was sort of a, a main a main part of it. And it's almost verging on you know, being sang through a megaphone or something. It's It's... It's like it's going, yeah, going into that world. I go until it's done. Total completion. It won't complete itself. Priority is high. I couldn't tell you why. You wouldn't understand. go next to track 11 which is midnight song ah uh, yes uh yes or according to the the masters uh, midnight sky <laughs> they, that's they decided they, they wanted to that's what they called the song when they gave it us back which is you know a nice name but it's not right um it felt like a good place for this track because you know it's this very dark ominous outro to twenty one twenty one. And this this continues in the same sort of vein. It feels like another sort of centerpiece track to me, even though it's you know slightly later in the album. It's one of the first ones we decided was going to be on the album, wasn't it? It came about fairly early. Yeah, it's one of the first that's written. I looked back at the files, and this one was written or begun on the twenty second of March, twenty twenty. So that's before our year even started. Yeah. I think it was kind of in that little period. After we'd recorded the first podcast, but not released it yet. So yeah, probably the first thing I wrote for it. And it was amazingly fully formed straight away, really. This didn't happen for most of the songs Mm. uh, I wrote, but I had this six bar synth bass sound, but just kind of, I had looping round and round. just started to play with adding effects to percussion 
So very simple beat, very simple bass line. And then, I, I don't know how or why, but I just sort of stumbled upon this sort of spacey synth line, which almost sounds like a bit of a swanny whistle or something like that. Um, <laughs> and that's sort of a, the lead riff, if you want to call it that. I think I quickly added some quite clean picked electric guitar as well. Those things sat together quite nicely straight away when I thought, right, need to work out where this song is going to go, need to write another part. So I came up with the bass line, this very kind of Eastern again sounding bass line mm. for what became the verses. There's some more nice, like, randomized percussion kind of in there, isn't there? With woodblock sound, which I'm particularly fond of that kind of just yeah plays in the verses and kind of keeps keeps an interesting rhythm to the to complement that bass line exactly it's quite syncopated it almost sounds a tiny bit tribal or um, exotic in some way yeah so yeah quite quite fully formed for a while again one of those songs where the choruses were with a quieter part of the song that was the sort of relief from uh, the verse and yeah, I was, I was I was really pleased with it. Um, but again, another of those songs that probably took a few months after that, I probably put it on the shelf. Yeah, for a long time before coming back to it and thinking, right, how do we make this actually work as a song, a full song? I think you kind of started almost mixing it uh, quite early on, which made it sound more polished and and finished, and got us excited about the track um, quite early because we could we could start to hear what it might sound like in its final form. Rather than with a lot of the demos, you're like, oh, I can see potential, but it's uh, it's a long way off, this one. And then you end up parking it for probably longer than you should because you're like, well, that's almost done. So, And then you come back to it and realize there's a, there's a lot more to do. <laughs> I can't remember when I came back to it, but probably the biggest change was the second verse. Maybe the verses in general just getting heavier um, because I it probably was a bit one paced the song and I was worried it would get a bit become a bit of a slog yeah. um, so I had a lot more distorted guitar um, distorted synths Rob got me this uh, pocket calculator synth for my birthday which... Teenage Engineering is that the company? the same company that made the OP1 they make these little, these cheap little synthesizers that make all sorts of weird noises. It's actually got samples from kind of office computers, probably some printers as well. Various old sounds recorded from the 90s. It's really cool, really industrial sounding, quite abrasive. <laughs> and so I thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect for this song. So I, I added that into the second verse to this kind of cacophony of sounds. There's only really two parts chord progression-wise. The middle eight is an entirely percussive part. Um, again, it's supposed to sound like this clanking machine, really, that's 
this old and rusty but enormous <laughs> and powerful machine that's whirring or a factory or something that's whirring away and actually sort of messed it up a bit to make it sound like it was glitching and breaking down uh, before leading into this sort of big finale chorus. It needed something to keep the momentum up and it did have good momentum and it builds towards this again. We have it on a few tracks and it's a, a little a trick of ours. I guess we use quite a bit of these big crescendos at the end and everything kind of releases. So that it's always good. It's always built. You always know it's building towards that. Um, but I think it was when when you brought the lyrics in, as as often happens, that that really adds another layer of interest and and brought the song to life. And particularly on on this one, I think there's some of my yeah my favourite lyrics, particularly the chorus. It's it's very catchy and uh, and yeah, sing alongable. <laughs> It's probably the track with the most backing singing, this one. Uh, and it it was a lot of fun to do. And we it's probably the standout thing of the track. Well, for me anyway, when I listen back to it, it's the things that, le- that all the backing singing is what leaps out and what brings it to life. Yeah, so this ended up having about probably five or six unique vocal parts that all sing together at the same time in the outro. Um, and it, yeah, that again, something sort of really new for us um we don't do it or not to anything like that level anywhere else on the album <laughs> because it's quite hard to pull off that's why it's quite hard to do um yeah i know you had a, a fun time mixing this yeah because you've got to give every every line needs its own space and you don't want each line to come in and take over hmm. so this is particularly true in the outro where it introduces um or the final chorus and then into the outro introduces different lines that keep building and building and it's like adding to the co- the choir each line adds to the choir uh, and you don't want it to come in and just take over but so it's figuring out the right level for each line where should it sit what what in the order of importance which one is actually the lead yes you, know, you see keeping the lead vocal as the lead and then these are all just supporting parts um and I wanted it to be like every time a line comes in, it, you, your ears prick up and go, oh, what's that? But without it completely distracting from the other lines. So it was a really mm. fine balance and there's tricks you can use. And it was balancing things like EQ um, and panning. So having certain elements um, you know, at different areas of the, of the panning uh, spectrum. So some things right out wide and some things closer to the middle and keeping the lead vocal fairly central. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was hard work getting everything to shine through and and it not getting too cluttered. Hopefully, people will agree it's kind of it, it does work. But uh, yeah, it was it was a tricky one. Always gonna be relentless. Comes around and you're gonna be relentless. Left foot. Always gonna be your everyday so far. And you're gonna be Left foot. I found it quite difficult to write a melody for this song. And then I stumbled upon this thing using backing vocals in the verses, kind of like we had in the prologue, where it's almost like this this choir of, you know, the Disney villain choir again. <laughs> They're back. All these voices singing out in chorus every day, every day. Every day. Every day, every day, every day. Lyrically, 
again, it took a while to settle on a theme for what I wanted the song to be about. But I think possibly inspired by the kind of plodding nature of it, um, I settled on this theme. There was a sense of monotony about it, like as the light fades, but also a sense of being simultaneously overwhelmed, like in 2121. I suppose it's about just really struggling with day-to-day life. Mm. And I don't know if to what extent people will relate to this, but just sometimes the most simple things, do you ever think, oh my God, I'm going to have to, I've got to feed myself every day for the rest of my life, (laughs) multiple times. I've got to, you know, I've got to get up, get out of bed. I've got to have a shower. I've got to speak to people. All these, all these little things. And there's just sometimes when that realization hits and you think, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this for another week, let alone for the rest of my life. (laughs) Uh, So it's, so I guess the, the narrator in this song is, or the person being spoken to in this song perhaps is, is feeling that kind of pressure. That's what the verses are about, and it starts, you know, it's just a nagging, a nagging doubt to begin with. But come the second verse, you feel like everything is getting too much. The choruses musically were a sort of reprieve, and I wanted the lyrics to reflect that as well. Mm. I was trying to find a way to articulate something that could be lighter without being cheesy or without being <laughs> without going against the message of the rest of the song. So I stumbled upon this idea of, you know, it's, it's quite dark in its way, but looking at life as sort of a series of days to tick off, Miss Character's thinking, right, as soon as you get to midnight, that's another one done. That's another day I've survived. That's, a, that's another victory in the bag. All, you know, all these days I've survived now, hundreds of them, and they've not beaten me yet. So it's almost... A sort of battle cry, another one bites the dust kind of thing. Yeah. Or that's one more contender down, as the lyrics say. That's, you know, the character sort of having a word with himself and saying, uh, look, we did it, you know, we've didn't think you would, but you got there. <laughs> Especially in the final chorus when all these this kind of round of backing vocals come in, they're all sort of singing out in support of, you know, it's gonna keep on being relentless, but you're gonna you're gonna get through it because that's what you do. That's what people do. And yeah, it's it's about that back and forth. I guess it's that's life, isn't it, for everyone? Mm-hmm. You have you have good moments and bad moments. Moments when you're on top of everything. Moments when you think it's uh, you think you're not going to make it. But of course, after that kind of slightly euphoric final chorus, it goes back to the plodding grind of a verse again, and you sort of suspect the whole cycle is just going to keep <laughs> on continuing and continuing. Well, that's what was uh, was in my head anyway. Uh, it, I I always find songs interesting when they they musically can be quite euphoric in parts but actually the the tone is well the lyrics are quite dark it probably it lyrically is one of the the darker songs uh on the album and it i kind of thought with it being placed where it is in the album as well you're kind of coming towards the end of of, of the year and the thoughts you you might have as you're kind of you're just getting getting through it and getting towards the end it is it has got dark feelings to it yeah, it could definitely be read that way. Um, and I think, yeah, it's placed on the album as if you've you've maybe at various points in this, this year, you've had kind of great moments, you've had eureka moments and, and revelations, but even with just one year to live, you still will always be these days where, where it's a struggle. <laughs> I quite like songs and films and stories and things where there's quite a, a twisted sense of yeah. the way things are. It's quite triumphant in the end, but you need to be in a certain 
wonky mindset to yeah to find it that way i, guess. I kind of thought that it's almost like yeah if you strip away everything that it means to be human and all these kind of things that we create you know, to make our lives meaningful and and to give it you know to make us rationalize morality and, and what's the point in everything it's almost like written from the point of view of like a, a a very basic organism that is literally just you know its purpose is to get through the day get through the day get through the next day and it is like a try you know, every day they get through and they they've got a chance to to you know whatever whatever they have to do eat sleep drink reproduce those are the basic things you know that's all they care about and mm. and it is almost just like it's a celebration of like a, a very basic <laughs> um yeah what it means to be to to survive and, and to live and we we often try and uh yeah i think it's <laughs> it's obviously not a bad thing that we try and find meaning and make things more exciting but it's 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 quite um interesting to to look at life in that way sometimes yeah very much taken like a third person perspective maybe an alien's perspective of uh, of life on earth yeah go out and greet the others try not to blow your cover All right, let's move on to track 12, our final interlude track, which is called Two Steps Back. This was a, a, a lovely little breakthrough in the naming process. <laughs> I think it might have been just called One and Two to begin with. Yeah, they were. But um, like, what if we call it One Step Forward, Two Steps Back? And I was like, yes, that is it. <laughs> yes. Nailed it there. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> that, time for lunch. <laughs> yep. And it is doubly appropriate because this song builds on one step forward but a lot of her parts are played backwards they are reversed so i didn't do it for every track um i did it for the the main foggy synth which we spoke about in the last episode i think i did it even for the kick for instance And definitely for the vocal sample. I guess almost anything you play backwards sounds cool, but I thought the vocal sample sounded a lot cooler mm. um, that way and even more kind of alien. Mm. So what to say about this one? Yeah, this is obviously getting very close to the, the end of the album, so I want it to convey a slightly different feeling. Again, it's sort of the, the build-up to the end of this year and this kind of ominous sense of anticipation dread almost um that you might be feeling it's kind of oh god it's you know time's nearly up if you really wanted to get conceptual you could think of kind of reverse as being you know your life flashing before your eyes mm. because kind of clocks going backwards you're just reviewing all the things you've done and for that reason i almost wanted it to despite time sort of rapidly coming to an end i almost wanted it to feel as if time was slowing down so the beat reflects that um originally i tried to do tried to be 
clever and have a sort of three four beat oh, really? in there. It went over the top. Um, well, the rest was in four four, but I decided it didn't really work and just stuck to a kind of half time four four kick and snare. Is it all the all the tracks from the from one step forward in reverse? Or it's not a few all of, of the tracks. I think I took like the guitar, for instance, is a big part of the first one. Mm. Um, it doesn't have that. Yeah, it doesn't have that. I probably tried it, but it, it, you know, it's just sort of too busy, so I didn't think it would sound as good. I think it is a bit more stripped back, um, and there's different field recordings. This was just as life had started to open up again here in Manchester. So there were lots of people in a bar just down my street. You can hear them uh, from my window. Sat outside. Um, enjoying their first kind of taste of relative freedom for a while. <laughs> so I went out, went downstairs, went outside, and uh, just on my phone recorded myself walking towards them and sort of walking through the crowd. Because, yeah, again, I wanted the, the sort of noise of a crowd to be increasing closer to the end of the song you got. A- again, it's another sort of sensory overload sort of thing, an impression of everything building up um, before it all, all cuts out very suddenly um which is i suppose meant to be sort of the clock striking 12 or you know judgment day being upon you that sort of thing yeah even it's de- it's demo stage it was kind of, we wanted these tracks this track and the the other interlude track to have a very analog feel you know, a lot of stuff on the album is very digital there's a lot of digital synth sounds you know to the extreme in some songs with, with a lot of additional sound effects and, and samples and things so I was very keen for these two sorts to almost sound like they've been recorded onto tape and uh, very very much that feel so definitely utilize quite a few plugins to try and help that on this track used a tape saturator plugin for example to kind of add a bit of crackle and it's a waves plugin um, tape saturator plugin really cool for just like you, know, you can mess around with the speed, so it it shows you on screen a, a fake tape machine, and you basically essentially playing the track through that. Quite often, when you're making stuff in the box and you you're creating everything digitally or in the computer, you you, you have to use these tricks to to create that analog sound. Yeah, I definitely feel that the interlude tracks do have a, a slightly different feel to them, which is intentional. Okay, so getting towards the end, track 13, Slow Progress. Mm. There are, so there are two tracks to go, but would it be fair to say that this is kind of a sort of de facto closer? Yeah. In the, the final track, we kind of often refer to it as being like the credits coming down the curtain. The epilogue, yeah. <laughs> Curtains closed, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so this is, in, in some sense, um, the finale of the story. Yeah, I I think I said to you at one point it was like you know if if the band was playing live it, this this would be the final track of the encore, and then the lights come on 
and then the track after which is the is essentially the final 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 track on the album uh that's as if the band's come back on when when everyone's leaving and and there's like one final uh bit of something to say or, or as the credits are rolling it's it's the music that accompanies that so yeah this this is almost like the fake ending this this track uh slow progress and this was one that you wrote reasonably early on i think you definitely had a version of this that you played to me um at some point last summer and even from the start you had a, a pretty clear vision um in your head about you know how you saw it from a sort of cinematic perspective yeah um again i similar to some a lot of other tracks on the album and kind of ended up being a theme or sound throughout the album is i like the, i like the contrast of um old timey acoustic folky type sounds being contrasted with very modern spacey sounds like it's like the two those two worlds combining and this this song does that again i think it started off with this guitar riff um it's two guitars um in the chorus two guitars kind of echoing one another it's kind of like a swing feel to it so it's it's got a slide in it um and it it reminded me when i when i first came up with it of two ballroom dancers dancing around a an old timey uh, ballroom uh, in a traditional type of dance so that was the foundation of the song i originally had this guitar part and then um a bass played on a bass guitar uh, but it sounded just too funky and and not quite where I wanted to take it so I ended up using rewriting that on a bass synth um I had yeah this this bass synth line um which is quite like a plucked bass sound and added other kind of little little elements on top um and, and kept that same guitar sound throughout the verse so this twangy uh, I wanted it to sound like an, an almost broken guitar mm. that's like it's slightly it's out of tune. Yeah, rusty sort of metallic feel about it, doesn't it? And another one where, like, again, just always just chasing that demo because it, I think my guitar was slightly out of tune when I recorded the demo. But that's why I had a honky tonk to use that word again, <laughs> honky tonk feel to it because it was. I think it was slightly out of tune. Um, and it's very hard to recreate that when you try and re-record it because, you know, how much do you detune your guitar? Do you play it on a guitar that goes out of tune? Because I think it was played on an older guitar, an older electric guitar. So I think the strings were slightly rusty. So that gives it that sound as well. So very tricky to to recreate. And I may have ended up just sticking with the original demo sound. I was going to say, end. yeah, did, did we end up doing that? I think I might have done because I think I just... By this stage, I think I'd restrung all my guitars, and I just couldn't couldn't catch it again. It's like, well, I can't wait until my guitar strings go rusty again. So <laughs> I'm just gonna uh, use that original demo, and maybe kind of tweaked some little bits that were too out of tune or just didn't work. That's really that really is quite a quite a simple track compared to a lot of other stuff on the album. There's there's a couple of um, pianos. They they're quite warm and spacey. 
yeah, uh, and I, I had this idea in my head of uh, a sort of post-apocalyptic world in the future where we people had kind of forgotten about the uh, about what old music used to sound like, or they'd heard stories of of what acoustic music used to sound like, and everything had just become so digital and and so i had this idea that of a couple stumbling across an old bar um that's kind of in flames or something uh and they're they're hiding from the invading aliens or or something and um they they found this old jukebox in this in this burning rubble and uh, they stick on a a song and it's it's some it's some song from uh, from the distant past (laughs) and they kind of inspires yeah inspires them to to just instantly start dancing in a very uh, traditional ballroom kind of way uh but yeah there's there's these kind of the the spacey sounds are in there to to kind of make you feel like it's yeah it's not in the past it's in the it's in the future but um they're listening to music from the past if that makes any sense whatsoever so uh, I think we've got our, our music video idea sorted. <laughs> yeah, it was one where I had the idea for the music. I could picture the music video in my head while I was writing the song, which is quite quite bizarre, really. With the drums, this was quite a a funny one that I kind of built up. I can't remember how many ended up in the um, in the final recording, but the majority of the drums were just uh, made up from sounds that I made myself um, through my voice or through clapping. So there was a lot of, to kind of create this feel of swing feel again, there's a lot of kind of clap, like someone's clapping along to to the beat. And uh, I think in there, there's me going, <laughs> and me and going, bom, 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 and literally things like that. But yeah, all added together. <laughs> You're beatboxing, effectively. yeah, effectively beatboxing. Yeah, there's there's the sound of me kind of going like, and it kind of sounds like a woodblock. Um, Complement the acoustic feel of the of the guitar, but yeah, it's quite a fun way to to build up a beat, and it's amazing what you can do uh, with the human voice and uh, just not even really having to manipulate them sounds that much. But um, yeah, it's it, it it was quite a fun one to to build up in in that way, and it definitely creates a certain feel. So I had this verse, chorus, verse, chorus um, kind of pattern, um, which I was happy with, but I needed, obviously, needed, I wanted it to go somewhere else. It was, it was getting a bit repetitive. So, um, and this is before we thought about anything, any lyrics or anything. I didn't have any lyrics in this until very late on. Uh, so I came up with a, a middle section, which, again, I wanted to be just a complete departure from the other bits, uh, kind of. Uh, and it just ended up being a jam really um it was very much just made up on the spot just playing the piano playing these various synthesizer parts and and pads and stuff and just looping them and i wanted it to feel like it was just random sounds just coming and going stuff fading in stuff panning stuff kind of floating around in your head as if you're floating floating around in space or something but um yeah, it, it was it was very much intended to be kind of to have a random feel. I didn't want anything to feel like it was looping and recurring and on the beat. I wanted it to sound like stuff was coming and going and 
yeah, it's like a freeform jazz yeah. interlude. Yeah, it's definitely not that <laughs> that accomplished, but um, yeah, the closest I'm going to get. yeah again going on for 16 bars rather than just eight and then you're rewarded with a return to the the chorus again at the end um and i think it works quite well doing that in this point in the album um if you do enjoy the album you know you're almost want, wanting it to to go on that bit longer and uh it, it extends extends the track and uh before you, yeah, you go right we've got we've got to get on with this now we've got to wrap things up <laughs> back to the final chorus <laughs> it feels to me like the the interlude is kind of sounds like the sort of last dying breath of whether it's the kind of protagonist of the story or the planet or the some kind of spacecraft is breaking down or, or something and it sort of feels like you know it's sort of stuttering to a to an end but then it sort of kicks in one last time mm-hmm. it's like no we're still still a little bit of life left yet yeah. still a little little bit of time in this year to live exactly one last hurrah yeah one last one last dance that middle 16 section has some kind of spacey type sounds like the kind of the sounds of uh what i would like <laughs> what we all perceive as the inside of a spaceship despite never being in the inside of a spaceship the kind of <laughs> just fans whirring and and ele- yeah electronic sounds and things like that kind of just rumbling along in the background yeah and there's also um a sample of i think it's a couple of astronauts um i think i might be speaking Portuguese or something, so I've no idea what they're saying, which worried <laughs> me for a bit. I mean, I was, you know, generally quite keen on recording our own our own samples where possible, but there were a couple that made it through, which were sort of royalty-free things we found on the internet, which we just thought fit. And if you don't speak Portuguese, then I think that adds to it, in a sense. Yeah. And even if you do, I doubt you'll be able to hear what they're saying. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's all quite distorted as if it's going through a, a telecom back to mission control or something. And it actually, it's a little callback as well to the prologue for the first track, uh, um, yeah. which I think I forgot to mention last episode, but there's a, there's a little short sample from an astronaut halfway through that song. So that's that kind of sowed the seeds of, of spaciness yeah. right at the start. And this sort of comes back to that. You know, we didn't always know that this would would be one of the last tracks on the album, but once the lyrics were written, I think it was pretty clear it had to go towards the end. It was it was an idea for a song I'd I'd had for a little bit, and I think I tried to. I think originally Midnight Song was I was trying to write lyrics with the same theme, couldn't really get it to work, uh, and then I tried it again for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I was just imagining, not necessarily someone who's been told they had a year to live or that, that fits perfectly uh, in this case, but maybe someone who's coming towards the end of their life, maybe a bit older, and looking back on their life and the world in general, maybe there's been some big world event that has happened, some kind of big setback, or maybe it's just for little things, little you know, technological advances, societal advances, changes in attitudes or lack of changes in attitudes, um, and just kind of musing that, you know, I thought at least by the end of my life, things would have got a bit better or would, would have gone differently somehow. Um, the chorus is basically reeling off all these 
these kind of things that uh, that they'd hoped might happen. Um, yeah, like we'd all been flying around in jetpacks or something <laughs> um, would have you know cured cured diseases or world peace and things like that. But um, yeah, apparently one lifetime is is not long enough <laughs> to to make those things happen. So it's yeah, it's a good sort of a wistful look back on um, more of the progress of the world rather than the individual yeah across a lifetime and it's quite hard to look yeah we all frame life experience or the experience of life within like the context of our own lifetime and kind of yeah yeah you you want everything to happen in in your story if you were writing a book and you know you want it do want all the interesting stuff to be in your book and the reality is you know we, we've made so much progress as a species uh in a very quick time in terms of geological time <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah if you yeah you, the tendency is is a is to want to frame things in our own story in our own lifetime and, and that can be quite frustrating sometimes because you know as we're finding out you know jeff bezos and uh elon musk and, and uh and richard branson <laughs> and the, yeah, the three of them all desperately like trying to kind of get as much done and kind of accomplish all these crazy things in their lifetime. And I think they'll probably realize even then, even these billionaires that there's certain things that are just beyond the scope of mm. what can be achieved in, in a single lifetime. So, yeah. Yeah. You've kind of, you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about framing it from our own perspective. I think I imagine everyone to some extent sort of feels like they're the kind of hero of their own story. And then that, there's got to be a happy ending, right? Mm. You know, everyone knows that there's um, ups and downs in the middle. It's kind of tempting to feel that in some way it will all resolve itself at the end. Uh, and then conversely, this song saying, well, if it hasn't resolved itself, then it can't be the end. You know, there must be more. And that's mm. that's sort of the last the last line of the song. I guess we're brought up as well to like, you know, with stories and with films and everything does resolve yeah. or it resolves in some way. And then so to look mm. at life in the, in the, you know, the story arc and the hero's journey, you know, you know, you're not, you might not find out what's the, what the ending is. And we, it's hard for us to cope as a, uh, yeah, when we're brought up with, with constantly you know, having stories finished. <laughs> it's like when a series, uh, like, uh, heroes or something like that i seem to remember just got cancelled halfway through a series and so it's like that feeling of uh mm, well, tell yeah, us the end <laughs> yeah i at least want to know yeah yeah that's, that's exactly it um the song ends with the lines but i always thought there'd be some sort of closure if the end looks bleak the story isn't over so it's i guess it's you could look at it as denial saying well even this guy on his deathbed claims no there must be more um yeah because you know things haven't wrapped up as i as i wanted yeah um or you could take it literally and say well actually you know it's not the end of the year to live there is more but we don't get to find out what that is <laughs> i used to think with certainty the past was ancient history i thought these monsters went extinct long before i was born Still not safe forces of nature Still don't make divisions for later And we still don't have jetpacks to stand it And we're still not found life on other planets And we're still not broke peace between nations So I did not think we'd be the generation But I always thought there'd be some sort of closure If the end looks bleak, the story isn't over so, track 14, it all ends with In Summary, which uh, sort of does what it says on the tin. 
this song was almost all Rob, really. Um, he wrote this little demo instrumental piece, which he called Echo Echo, a while back. But again, it was quite late on that you brought it back, I think. Mm. And you put you put words to it. I don't know how long it took you, but um, <laughs> it was sort of in, from my point of view, it's sort of in the background. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a song that we still, I, I liked the instrumental, I liked the mood of it. Um, that's one that we could use at some point. Um, but you know it hadn't hadn't gone anywhere, so yeah, I didn't didn't know if he would. And then you played me this demo. Um, maybe you had two or three versions that you sent me over the course of a couple of days. But by that point, it was pretty much done. It'd gone from from demo to to nearly finished. <laughs> um, it was one of those where yeah, I'd, ha- I'd had this on the hard drive for a long time. It we've would, we've both said that we really enjoy writing these songs, and I think they're because they're quite easy to do, where they just where they just build and build so you're just adding element after element there's no real structure there's no there's no verse chorus there's no pre-chorus it's just literally things just keep getting introduced gradually throughout the song and i had quite a lot of those on the hard drive but this one in particular always stuck with me because because i think i just kept it quite basic but every element kind of worked and it just kind of everything clicked and it was um it started off with a a simple piano but played through uh, some uh, quite a lot of echo and delay yeah i had a a acoustic guitar plucked section that kind of just goes up and down like do 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 And then some strings, some a, a double bass and a cello underneath that. And that's really the foundation of the loop. And then I had quite a lot of fun just tinkering, adding stuff on top. Um, this electric guitar, playing that with like loads of distortion and, and delay and just... Um, kind of playing it palm muted and occasionally kind of letting notes come through as if it's like a a voice trying to or or a communication trying to get through from from another dimension or something you know that kind of thing just uh, it's it coming in and out in and out uh, and then on top of that just adding um a little i would say kind of morse code synth i, I think i've called it and the premise of the song was like is everything again the last song ended with like is that is this it is everything over and and this feeling i think we kind of all have of like yeah is there more is there more is are we making it are we oversimplifying everything and kind of is there something much more deep and kind of weird going on you know and that's that was kind of the the feeling with all these different instruments is like can you hear that? Can you hear? Okay, because is, is is there something out there? Is there is there something coming through? I thought it would it would be a um, instrumental. I never I never thought about putting lyrics over mm. it. And uh, the only reason lyrics did end up coming in was because I uh, downloaded a sample of an auto tune plugin, uh, and I was just messing around. And I think I had this session open at the time, and I was like, oh, I'll just try singing something because it feels quite uh, it feels like the kind of track where you might have some auto-tune 
the lyrics kind of just fell fell into place quite quickly it was um it, it, was, it was me just uh riffing a bit and kind of almost just speaking what i was feeling at the time so yeah i think i'm right in saying that um this was after we decided that the album would be a year to live yeah and it would be some sort of loose theme around that so i'm assuming that kind of informal lyrics um the lyrical direction yeah in quite a big way v- very much so yeah i'm pretty sure the first time i heard it all the lyrics that ended up on on the final version um I was like, yeah, this is perfect. I think this is this is the album closer. I see it as sort of amusing on uh, on the whole thing, but the track's called In Summary, but ironically, it's sort of not really jumping to any conclusions. <laughs> it's, you know, it's sort of saying, well, that, that's kind of a point, isn't it? Um, we've we've been through all this and we still don't really know, but that, it, that is life. Mm. That is what it's about. Yeah, and, and again, like, it's this this theme that kept keeps cropping up of, what of meaning and trying to find meaning and everyone wanting their story to you know to be the hero of their story and what what's what is a life if it's not kind of if it doesn't have an interesting story to tell and it's it's someone kind of sitting down with a pen at the end and just being like and almost being forced to 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 sum it up like yeah being told that you must write your autobiography and you must and it must be interesting um, how you would approach it and and how you would feel about having to do that if 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 potentially you didn't have that much that was uh, that was particularly interesting to say from maybe an outsider's perspective anyway. Yeah, I really like it. I, I just like the idea of uh, being asked to tell the story of life, and <laughs> not literally having nothing to say. <laughs> I, um, I think that that is quite profound in its own way. Well, I think the the idea is that like to you to you person that I've never met it may not be interesting it may not it may not fulfill yeah we're so we want the hollywood story we want but to everyone to everyone their own life is important and you know the relationships they make and the things they do are important to them and to the to their small see their small world that they've they've kind of created and it's like why why should i care what you think is basically just saying to joe blogs who i've never met like you know it's not your story to be a part of necessarily it's kind of it's my it's my story and it doesn't matter how boring or <laughs> uninteresting it is you know it's though you've still mm. it's still meaningful to you yeah, every life is important i guess <laughs> that was uh, that's it a fine message <laughs> um yeah so we've we've sort of talked about this being like the credits rolling or like the the exit music and musically it's because we've had some darker, more intense moments along the way. And it's a lot calmer. It's a lot more kind of welcoming, I suppose. That was a del- that, that was one of the reasons why I put the auto tune in because it was like, again, kind of trying not to get too pretentious with it. But kind of, that was the feeling of like, everything has to be perfect. But it, that's that was why I ended up throwing in the auto tune. And it, but it also creates this feeling of... Um, of light because everything because it because it is so you know, in in key uh, mm. and everything fits nicely <laughs> harmonious yeah exactly and there's various melodies in there and i threw in the ro- the robovox you know makes an appearance throughout a kind of this robotic voice that has occurred on many tracks before um and i think uh there's the the i ended up putting the morse code sort of synth sound on a couple of other tracks 
on the album to kind of tie everything together yeah a bit. i was going to say the this sort of kind of randomness of it especially in the previous track slow progress in the uh the interlude section it's got a very similar musical theme i feel like a bit more a bit more free and less um less kind of gridded than some of the other songs mm, definitely so yeah it's got this um it's got this kind of calm to it musically um as if you sort of made it through yeah. the ordeal but then Right at the end, there's, a, there's another final little twist when uh, everything sort of distorts and becomes a bit more minor, as if kind of the wires and the <laughs> the robots have, have been crossed and uh, you know, things are just starting to break down a little bit. Um, and it ends in a more sort of unnerving, uncertain way. Originally, where it did go completely in that direction, it it, it it went darker and darker until it was like everything broke up and kind of, I think, just descended into chaos. <laughs> that still exists, I guess, but the track fades out before. So you can kind of hear that mm. start to happen. You can hear the uh, the weirdness kind of a, a, uh, yeah, increasing. Just, just, just beyond the horizon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah, I suppose that's just one of the other little juxtapositions of light and dark that we sort of tried to get through the whole thing. Um, and maybe it means there's another album. <laughs> is, there a se- is there a sequel? Two years to live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's twice as long. Yeah, uh, it, it, everyone loves a cliffhanger, and everyone loves. Uh, yeah, as much as I said before, we like to know the ending. It's uh, we also like to know that there's. Uh, there may be a sequel. Maybe maybe that's a great contradiction of human beings. Yeah, we exactly. Love, we love order and we love uh we love endings, but we also <laughs> can't stand them. We can't stand the idea that there isn't there isn't more, yeah, there isn't more it, mystery out there. Exactly. We want to know the ending eventually, but kind of never. As long as we're still enjoying yeah, it. At the same time. Yeah. Mm. What can we say about life? What can we say about it? For us to tell the story of life We have anything to say about it I never thought to write it all down I never seemed to have a pen to hand And on that note, <laughs> it's time for the ending. It's been emotional. It's been a, it's been a long year, in many ways. Mm. I'm sure for everyone listening as well, it's been a weird, a weird old year, uh, weirder than we ever could have expected. When we uh, jokingly said, "Wouldn't it be fun to write an album in a year?" Uh, all those months ago, uh, but we made it um, <laughs> in the end. So hopefully you enjoy the album, uh, or at least some of the tracks, and uh, hopefully the explanations have uh, added to that interest and 
you know, not taken away too much from the the mystery and the interpretation of some of the tracks. Because it's always a worry when you, you know, I guess about the whole process. Yeah, uh, by doing the tune lighting podcast, we've we've opened the door to to the entire album, and and there's always always a worry that that takes away from some of the mystery and you, know, you get some bands that are so mysterious and you don't even know all the members and, and all that kind of side of things which mm. i'm sure would be fun in its own way and we've very much abandoned that idea because we, we can't we've we've been so <laughs> we've been recording and documenting it throughout so yeah i hope that's not taken away too much from the uh, sort of mystery of it all but uh, and it hadn't has been interesting uh, anything else to say before we wrap up jack just thanks everyone who's listened Thanks to everyone who's uh, who's got in touch or you know liked our posts on on Instagram and mm. um, you can still find us there uh, at the Bear Tax yeah um, where you know most of our uh, promotion will be from now on um, instead of the tune lighting handle we've got a website now as well thebeartax.com yes is live uh, we'll be adding stuff to that um, keep an eye out for artwork that jack's been working on there and lots of interesting bits and bobs and, and there'll be a link there where you can buy the album if you want a physical copy then uh, that will probably be at least at the start the only place to buy a physical copy or cd of of the bear tax album a year to live uh and then the digital version will be out for all you uh digital lovers <laughs> who, don't, who aren't interested in a physical copy of the album and just want to listen to it on spotify or whatever we're hoping that that will be out very soon if not already when you're listening to this so refresh your spotify yeah, have at, a look at, at, at time of recording we don't know but um hopefully you've been keeping keeping your eyes out to our social media where we will have a better idea of when that album is out and uh and you'll be able to listen to your heart's content yeah so thanks again to everyone that's listened everyone that appeared on the podcast everyone that's helped us out uh hope you enjoy the album and uh, we may be back for season two but you know just like with the album uh, i like to leave it on a bit of a cliffhanger and uh, <laughs> leave you not knowing 